0: Hey, assalamu alaikum, peace. It's Imran here. Now, I had a ton of fun recording this episode with Ilyas. It was one of those conversations that just flew by, and we managed to cover so much of what we wanted to. Yes, we did meander. I mean, that's standard, right? But, um, yeah, it was such a great conversation. We were talking about spirituality within marriage. Actually, what it is, how religiosity differs from spirituality and how it is that people who seem so compatible with with one another uh, also tend to struggle because of this subject of spiritual compatibility. So we go deep into this. Elias has his imam hat on for this episode. He normally has his counsellor hat on, but he has his imam hat on. So there's plenty of reference to Qur'an and hadith and some Arabic terminology. uh, But you'll definitely get the flow of what's, what's being said. And it's very much a to and fro conversation between he and I, and he probes into some of the examples from, from my marriage, which is really interesting to kind of talk about. Um, and he also answers the crucial question as to how to develop your own spiritual nature so that when you are together with somebody else, that you have a better chance of being your best self and also to bring out the best in someone else. This is Insights. A spiritual awakening.
1: That The purpose of Muslim marriage ultimately is what? Ultimately it is to please your creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And through his pleasure we obtain the rahmah, the mercy of Allah, and paradise. So, so, and that's what the Prophet ﷺ has told us that, you know, the partner we are choosing in this world will be our per- partner in paradise for eternity. You know, that's it. Now, a lot of people will think, a lot of men would probably think, oh my God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we do have a bit of a laugh about this, yeah, and, you know, that. Uh, You know, come on, I've had her all in this world, yeah? Come on, give me a break. (laughs) When we talk about Abadan, eternity with my partner. So we might see it in a lighthearted way. But then what I always say as a kind of like, uh, you know, uh, in addition to that, what I always say is that, look, if she was the means for you to be the best version of yourself in this world, and if she was the means for you to have a connection with Allah, to increase your Iman, your taqwa, your worship, your conduct. If she was the one who was there side by side helping you with it, then really, she's your perfect partner in the next world. Okay, irrespective of all the issues that you had. She got you to paradise, Alhamdulillah, and you got her to paradise. And sometimes we forget. Look at this verse. Allah says in the Quran. Save yourself and your family from the fire whose fuel is men and stones. This is in Surah Tahrim. It's a very mm-hmm. serious verse. Mm-hmm. That the role of a husband and wife is to protect each other from Allah Ta'ala's punishment. And then there's the other really uh, beautiful dua in the Quran. <inaudible> where Allah is saying is, Oh Allah, make my wife and my children <inaudible> satisfying to my eyes. Which means that what satisfies me about them is that I see in my wife a Righteous woman, a good woman, a woman who is pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and through that I am also inspired to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it says, Make them leaders, but not just leaders, but leaders lil imama, of the righteous, of the mutaqeen and the saliheen. So, you know, we sometimes forget that marriage is a means for two people to grow in their iman, in their faith in their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I can think of nothing more beautiful than a husband and wife praying together, fasting together, making hajj together, you know, paying zakat together, doing the acts of worship together, it shows that they are deeply connected with one another and so there's a really interesting question, you know, when we have this Muslim marriage where two people's spirituality is growing, Will that mean that everything else will work in the marriage?
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on. So spirituality, you just mentioned a key word there, right? Yeah. So from what I see and what I've experienced is a lot of people who would call themselves practicing Muslims will understand everything that you've said, yeah? And they, it won't be new to them that ultimately that this is the objective. But there seems to be a disjuncture between what they know and how they behave in that marriage. And I think that's linked to their spiritual nature. And how they well, implement uh, what uh, do, is doing. Do, do know? you know what?
1: I, I think, Imran, this is a really interesting question. This is a very important dynamic to realize. Even people who, let's say, are outwardly practicing Muslims for want of a better mm. description, they pray fast, they observe women who observe hijab, the men, etc, observe sunnah and all these kind of things. I find that they don't have Islamic values. They are perfunctory, which is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're perfunctory. They perform the roles, and there is equally as much discord and conflict in those marriages. And then we got the other spectrum, which are people who are completely oblivious of Islam, ignorant, or completely, I suppose you could say, they're jahil about what Islam actually is. They don't know anything about the rules and principles of Islam at all, and they just have gone through the nikah because they have to go through a, a nikah and go through a Muslim marriage. And, and, and actually, in many ways, hold values which are antithetical to Islam or completely opposed to Islam. Uh, and uh, have involved in practices as well. And then have no respect whatsoever for the Qur'an and Sunnah and the prophetic way of the Prophet No respect. I find it, you know, I, I, am, I am so shocked and baffled and saddened by these cases where there's a complete disregard for Islam. Total disregard and disrespect It's kind of like sometimes total cultural values or from whatever their respective kind of culture. So we have these two interesting kind of extremes and and models. And the wasitiyah, the balanced way is that I am really refreshed when I see people who have what I call the real values of Islam. The real akhlaq and adab. And remember the Prophet, he came to develop the akharram al-akhlaq, noble characteristics. Mm. It's how they conduct themselves. They might not necessarily be the most observant either, not in the front row of the prayer. Okay, let's say, or you know, the sister might not be wearing niqab or covered up and you know, might wear a colorful hijab or something like this, or even not, maybe not wear hijab, but they have the, the values that are supposed to build a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they have that deep connection with Allah, and when we define spirituality, it can be a bit, you know, airy-fairy, but what we really mean ultimately is that the person has a clear relationship with their creator, and as a result of that, that affects the relationship with the creation, you know. So for example, I know that Allah is watching over me. This is in the verses of the Quran when we do the niqa, uh, khutbah of nikah, three verses, all of them say the same thing. ittaqullah Allah, ittaqullah mm. Remember, and, taq- mm. and remember, I don't want to make sure, taqwa doesn't mean fear Allah. It's often translated in that. It's much more, like I said, uh, uh, significant than that. It means to be always conscious of Allah Ta'ala watching of your actions, conscious that what I'm doing, I have to be careful that will it upset my Lord and my creator, and uh, and then I'm going to be held to account for my actions. And so therefore I exercise a caution in terms of sticking to what is pleasing and, uh, and away from what is displeasing to Allah. That's what ultimately Taqwa is about. And remember, look, one of these verses, ittaqullah waqulu and sadidah. So always, if you are conscious that Allah is watching you, then always speak a word which is truthful and clear. So the middle ground is a group of people I find, they have the values of the Prophet wasallam: Compassion, Rahmah, Adal, Justice, Karam, Generosity, Forgiving, Selfless, uh, Serving others who are in, 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 in you know their, their family rather than them being served. Uh, humble, uh, You know, Always taking muhasibah self account of them, so this is an important thing that a couple need to work on the what we call taskiyatun nafs, which is the purification of their souls. It's bizarre, you see. We have such wonderful, lofty, amazing, brilliant principles. These are actually expressed in the khutbah of nikah. It starts, you know, uh, when Allah, you know, even in the khutbah, you know, there's the khutbatul hajah which states here. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, what we seek refuge in Allah. مِنَ مِنَ uh, you know We seek refuge in Allah from the evil which may be in our souls and the evil which may be in our actions. So we're asking Allah, purify my soul here. So that my soul is pure, then my actions will be pure. And make it so that both me and my partner now, my sahibah, that w- when we make our zawaj, when we get married, that we are two pure souls entering into this. So that now we both enrich each other's souls with goodness, that we come closer to Allah and because we are fulfilling that relationship with Allah, we get closer to ourselves as well.
0: So it's interesting that we've previously spoken about emotional uh, well-being and uh, compa- emotional intelligence, yeah. intelligence and to a degree compatibility. Yeah? Uh, I'm guessing we're talking about also spiritual compatibility too that two people need to be spiritually compatible on the same page because you can't you know it takes two to tango right two people need to enrich one another and these qualities that you're talking about they need to both embody those or at least aspire to that but from what i've seen and you've seen more than i have there's kind of an understanding there needs to be some kind of compatibility on the religious side but that doesn't necessarily translate to a spiritual compatibility, does
1: it? You're absolutely right. And uh, so you're right. There needs to be compatibility. There needs to be people who are on the same page. And there needs to be recognition that this is what the purpose of marriage is.
0: So what, what do people do in terms of
1: religious compatibility? I mean, what... Nothing. Again, you know, <laughs> this, is, this has been a thread which has been running through. Again, we have those people who are, let's say, and, and this is what we call it. Uh, It's an interesting concept we're introducing. It's called spiritual literacy or spiritual intelligence, Hmm. which does not necessarily mean that it's about going through the perfunctory role. Oh, he's a good Muslim, he prays five times a day. That's not enough, I'm afraid. That is a a requirement of of a Muslim to pray five times a day. It's it's indicative of faith, but it's not indicative of that person's deeper connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Now, yeah, of course, so we need to have a, 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 a more sophisticated idea of what I call spiritual literacy stroke intelligence, yeah? And we can explore that with a whole range of possible scenarios. I don't know if you know any scenarios.
0: Well, so, so I was just about to butt in and say, um, okay, let's take it a step further. So, yeah, fine, praying five times a day is standard, right? But uh, people are matching up based upon their particular interpretation and flavor of, course, of Islam, of course, right? Of course, yeah. So, you know, just to use the, the terms that are, you know, commonly used, you have you know, Wahhabis, you have uh, Salafis, uh, you yeah. have Hanafis, uh, Madhabis, you know, it just you've got a whole range Sufi, of people. Salafi, Salafi, Brailwi, yeah, okay, we, Hanafi, all, all, Maliki, all, the Shia, all the Shia, Shia
1: Sunni, we've yeah. got to get onto that okay, one. Okay, no, well. that's
0: fine. So, uh, so people are saying, right, so I, I see the world in this way through this particular lens of Islam, mm. and I need somebody like that, right? And again, I'm sure you're going to tell me that that doesn't really filter people into the right areas at all they're all running into problems because that's not the right way in which to to view somebody from a, from an islamic perspective from a compatibility spiritually compatible perspective and if that doesn't work then is it also is it also right to say or right to think that you could have a sunni and you could have a shi'a it's a bit controversial right yeah. coming together
1: in a and very happy marriage And a
0: very happy And that can and a, happen
1: Yeah and, and you see Imran This is where Look You know ulama Are always asked this question Around Can I marry within my madhab Within my firqa, Within you know Obviously my school of thought And things like this And generally the ulama They say look Stick to marriage Within your own school of thought You know why Because what it is Is then And their rationale Is that Look this is one less uh, You could say Challenge within the marriage That you know You're not going to be For example a family Who are doing Eid On two different days Okay, you know you're <laughs> gonna have Edom one day, you know. You, can't accept, you know now. A standard. Now, now, th- th- now this is the nuance of it, really. So, to, in order to minimize that, they say, look, just be on the same page spiritually. Uh, it's no point you having battles about halal and haram between each other as husband and wife, about bidah and sunnah, about what is allowed, what is not allowed, having arguments around someone who might be more cultural, someone who might be more uh, literalist, following the Quran and sunnah, and People having different scholars that they go to, having fiqh battles and uh, fatwa battles between one and So that 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 in order to minimise that, just be on the same page, you know. However, so that's the pragmatic. That's a pragmatic approach. approach Although, yeah. You know,
0: it's almost like what you just described there is like the people who are kind of yeah, lo- love saves the day, right? You know, it, it, we're both Muslims. You know, I do this, you do that. It doesn't really matter, you know. But we we both love Allah, and so he's kind of skating over the subject of religious and spiritual, religious compatibility, because basically you think that spirituality potentially can just take you all the way through, right? But what you're saying is that the fractures appear over the course of time, because you are ultimately, you have a different worldview maybe, or you just see you see your faith in different ways, in ways which are incompatible.
1: Mm. And, the,
0: and the opposite end of that are two people who are absolutely on the same page, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee success.
1: Look, you know, Imran, again, the best way to explain it is through examples, okay? Now, let's go back to the first one, where we have two people on the same page, same madhab. Yeah. Then one gets more religious after a 20-year marriage, Mm. and I have these cases, one more religious after a 20-year marriage, and another one, you could say, more liberal. Mm. And then they start to have a fracture line. Mm. It means, basically, you know what? That 20 years of marriage, they actually didn't actually learn to connect with each other on a much more deeper level. And I want you to now con- contrast that with another scenario. Two people who were actually on different madhubs, mm-hmm. okay, even maybe different, fir- different firqa, mm. but uh, guess what? Their values. Our values of justice, respect, compassion, understanding—they have a adab al khalaf They have a wonderful manners with how they differ with each other, and they respect each other's difference. They're pluralistic, and they say yes, no problem, and no problem, and they have, because they they value each other as human beings, and they value that you know what? Yes, this person has a different, but their iman, their taqwa is still great, and they have wonderful qualities. Yeah. That relationship is much more likely to survive and is indicative of, of a higher level of spirituality and I think Sunnah than the people who are performing, I think, the more robotic, perfunctory role. That we just follow the principles of our, our madhabiyah and then they eventually fall out when actually they realize that they're not connected, you know, with one another, and that there isn't a deeper kind of spiritual kind of connection. They're just going through the roles, they're just going through the kind of principles. It's almost like it's like an empty religiosity. This very important verse which is in Surah Al-Baqarah, and it talks about this empty religiosity you know allah Ta'ala, he says in the quran a'udhu billahi it's a long verse, but it's a very, very beautiful verse. It sums up, it's, a one, it's a verse 177 in Surah Baqarah, and it sums up what we're talking about here. And what Allah is saying here is this. Righteousness is not that you just turn your face to the East and the West. Mm. It starts off with this verse. yeah. So here is a person who's praying and is critical of the religions of before and it's called. this is the concept of empty religion. You just go through the motions, you know, just turning your face towards the East and the West. Wearing the dress of, a, of what it means to be a, a Muslim. It's having the externality, but not the internal real deep spiritual connection. And it's about getting this balance right. So Allah says it's not that you turn your face towards it either. But al-bir goodness is that you obviously have sincere belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last day and the angels and the books and the prophets. So that obviously it's about sincere belief inside. But that sincere belief inside has to be demonstrated through what? Well, so, actions, right? Actions. And Allah then he says, Look what the action he says. That you give your wealth away, in spite of the fact that you love it for yourself, for those people who are the orphan, the one who is uh, uh, a poor, and the one who is the needy and the way, wayfarer. And وفرقب, you set people free from slavery. So, what Allah Ta'ala is now saying is that this is real spirituality, real goodness is that goodness is goodness to Allah, al to Allah, and then al goodness to the creation. And that sums it up. Why is it that I find some people, they will have sincere belief in Allah, but they don't seem to be good to their partner, husband or wife. In fact, they have vitriol and, and hatred and enmity towards them, yeah, over ridiculously silly things. I'm dealing with a case at the moment, whereas there are, and this is a classic example. You know, a couple now who's been married 20 years, the man has become very religious because now he's come to a point where he's become very religious. She's kind of okay in middle, middle middle ground, praise and everything, but middle ground. He's not happy with her, and he's actually accusing her of zina. What? Yes. Because you know why? Because Adultery. He, yes, yes. And I had to remind him what the verse in the Quran that's heavy. That remember, Allah says in the Quran, Verily, most suspicion is a sin, so avoid it. And obviously, making an accusation like this, you know, I said, Look, you should be ashamed that you're even making this accusation. So, what about his prayers? So he's fasting and everything else. he's a par- He has this paranoid uh, delusions. He's constantly. Thinking, oh, what is my wife doing? What is my wife doing? Just because he's got control issues and things like this. And, and then he masks it with religion. I'm so religious. We go on Hadjahs and Umrahs and everything else, yeah? But what does all those Hajj and Umrahs do when it comes to his actual life partner in terms of not being suspicious? And he knows it's all Shaytan. He says, I know it's Shaytan. So, you know, and he gets suspicious over it. And, you know, he has this kind of paranoia. Uh, and it's a classic example of someone who hasn't developed what I call inner spirituality to match the external worship. And then the inner spirituality creates a soul which your partner loves.
0: In terms of cultivating that, yeah, which is the key, isn't it? I mean, the first thing with, with any kind of change is recognizing change that needs to take place. And that seems to be a barrier for most people, right? You know, account, taking account for who you are. Um, and then, you know, holding a mirror up to yourself and saying, okay, the external is not matching up with the internal. That's right. right. So once you have reached that point, right, then the cultivation needs to take place. Now, if you're not from a tradition or you're not from a group of people who tend to do that, that's a really that's a really hard thing to do because if you're just surrounded by people who value externalities, right, and you know, it's kind of identity, um, it's about ritual rather than meaning. How do, you, how, do you, how do you change that?
1: Well, you're right, it, it's very difficult to change because people are so sometimes rigid and fixed in the religious traditions and they're not open towards changing. It's, it's actually linked to, I think, a profound um, failure in the way that we teach religion. We teach people ritual, we teach people uh, that they have to engage in acts of worship uh, and that we teach them rules and regulations around that. But what we don't teach is the inner dimension of worship. And this is sunnah, because look, the Prophet ﷺ, he came not only to teach the Quran. Look at Yatlu Alihim Ayatihi, he came to purify, to do the spirit and the soul. And Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, Zakaha, wa kadhaba man dasaha. Truly he succeeds, he purifies himself, and he corrupts who? Uh, he fails, who corrupts their soul. And then on top of that, you know, look, the most frequent dua of the Prophet Ya thabit ala dinik." oh the one who's the controller of my heart, keep my heart firm upon the religion, purify my soul, purify the purest heart. Asked Allah Ta'ala to continue to purify his heart. So this is where we have an a lack of what we call people think they're going through the external motions and that they're that they are somehow wonderfully connected to Allah. And they're not going through the inner dimension of the, what the... Even Allah says that in the Quran, Salah is supposed to divert you from evil and wickedness and badness. But then people perform Salah and then they start backbiting, they start slandering, they start abusing, they start doing things as well. So therefore there's no inner connection. And what you just said reminded me of a beautiful statement of Hassan al-Basri, who obviously is seen as a person of you know it was, was imam of sunnah but you know people say he was a person of Tasawwuf. yeah what well, you know but really basically a sufi calling yeah him a sufi, yeah in, but, a, in a disparaging but, way but, but yeah no no but how he was described look this is the be- beautiful description about hassan al basri and this is something that we all should strive for it was a state about him that his external state and his internal state completely matched mm. okay that's it mm. you know what you saw was what you get Truly a soul connected all the time to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the other way to look at it is that his public and par- private persona were the same. His persona in tahajjud, in the middle of the night, when it's him and Allah ta'ala, and his persona in the middle of a majlis full of people whose teaching was exactly the same. That's the, the, This is the difference between those people who, you know, see... Uh, because, look... Salah and all of the other acts of worship, the prescribed acts and the, the, the Nawafil acts that we perform, they are all ultimately about what connecting with Allah to obtain the rahmah, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And through that, enter into paradise. And the fundamental failing is in the teaching that's happened. Because sometimes you know, people are of the view, still, that if I do X number of good deeds, and they're more than my bad deeds, I go to paradise. This is a completely faulty understanding, and there's a hadith in Bukhari from Abu Huraira which sums it up. It's very important because this sums up the whole idea. Uh, the Prophet والسلام, he said, "None of you will enter into paradise by your actions alone," and they said. Not even you, Rasulullah He said, not even me. For if Allah did not cover me with his Qaram and his fadl, with his mercy and his compassion, not even I would enter into paradise.
0: So this is such a, such a critical point because, you know? because there is this kind of a totting up and mathematical kind of approach yeah. to faith. And um, I can't remember who said it. I think it was maybe Hamza Yusuf you know, saying that uh, people keep talking about they worship Allah because they want they they worship Allah, because they want paradise. Yes. Right, paradise is a byproduct of worshiping Allah and gaining His mercy. Absolutely. And so you know whatever Allah decides to give, that's up to Him. But actually, it's just about that connection, and if that connection is true, of course it's going to reflect in not only your life within the bubble of the masjid and your friends who think in the same way. It will then feed into. Your relationships mm. and into, into society This is a, absolutely. and uh, you know neither of us is kind of sitting here and you know putting ourselves up on a pedestal just because mm. we can talk about this stuff but unfortunately when, when, when you look at a lot of you know the marriages that I see and it's tough to be married it is tough in, in modern-day society lots of confusion around. It. it's tough to be married but it's really quite heartbreaking when you don't see the mercy between two people
1: as I, as I said look if there was a quality that was going to sum up uh, what the, you know the prophetic way is mercy he came as a mercy to all the worlds and he was merciful to his wives and would, came, would come into the home and said how may I be of service to you this is mercy, this is compassion this is concern and and we have robotic marriages pray fast, do everything else Yeah, which are bereft of compassion sometimes and then there are three actually qualities It's they all go in, Mercy, justice, al adl and and generosity, compassion. And, you know, the Prophet was the most generous in giving to, to his, his families as well. Look, you know, obviously, I, I come from the Salafi school of thought, manhaj, for of a better description. And, you know, I've been on the journey over the last 30 years with it from being obviously very hardcore zahri which is literalist based on Quran and Sunnah, and the Asul of sunnah, the principles of sunnah, and then, you know, just the, the, the you could say, the literalist application of those principles. So mm-hmm. then going through a journey where I realized that, you know what, this is spiritually empty. This is so, we, we are really good at understanding Quran, tafsir, asul, hadith, fiqh, jurisprudence, all of these wonderful principles. It's
0: analytical, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 what we are not good is that i don't find the externality uh, concurring or correlating with the internal state of softening of my heart and especially for me then i just went and just memorized all these principles around and the you know and the softness of the heart this is called this is a tradition within the imams of sunnah they would write books on the hadith which melt the heart and cause the softening of the heart, and the tear to come to the eye. It's that beautiful, there's a beautiful narration in in, uh, Mishkat al-Masabih, and it goes like this here, and you know, and I said, when I read these, I thought, where is this? We are bereft of this, we don't even talk about this, because we label this as an area of, linked to people who we considered as innovators. And we didn't find the balance of it. There's a hadith that goes, No one renounces pleasure in worldly things except that Allah Ta'ala causes a light to enter into their heart, makes their tongue utter in accordance with it, makes them see the malady of the world, the solution, the, 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 the disease and the cure, and they are brought safe and sound into the abode of peace. Amazing, what a wonderful race. <laughs> and, and you know what? The Prophet was a zahid. His way was the way of zuhad, abstinence and keeping away from the dunya he left this world live in this world as if you are a traveler or a stranger and he would sleep upon a bed made of, uh, of of sticks and stones that imprint on his body he said i have nothing to do with this world and he mentioned you know he said anyone who makes makes this uh, you know if you want allah to love you then abandon the world and if you want the people to love you then abandon what people love So. I found there was nothing where we were talking about the heart becoming soft, that that the tears would come into the high. The tear which is shed out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore this pushed me towards looking into the uh, into the Sufis and the traditions, and some people even they say, oh, you're Sufi Sufi, no, 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 this is Sunnah, because the Prophet, he came to make Tazkiyatun Nafus, to purify our souls. And the purpose of marriage, as I said, is nothing more beautiful when I see two people in marriage with two beautiful souls that are cleansing themselves, helping each other in that cleansing process. They are not only coming together spiritually, but everything else falls into place as well in their life. Because they have accountability, openness, truthfulness, integrity, all of the other wonderful qualities that come from a the heart. قلب saleem The heart which is devoted to Allah which means that a heart which has not got two masters and isn't split. So, so the journey then says it was about incorporating this and I used to did this lecture once and I remember the words because someone else said it to me. I said, you know when I do a talk on fiqh or on, on some a sul-ud-din principle, yeah, okay. It's 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 uh, like I said, a, a academic subject, a theoretical subject. We're talking about principles, and I can present myself as quite scholarly and what have you, yeah, and and bring all these wonderful principles, and people can't be amazed by all the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, kind of you know the presentation and things like this. But then I would say, but you know, when I talk about the when mm. I talk about purifying my soul. Mm and I talk about, you know, softening my heart, okay? You know, the great imams, they even said, the most difficult thing that we found was our niyyah. We battled with our niyyah. And I used to say, you know what? The intention, yeah. This subject breaks your back more than any other subject. Because as you do, as you speak about this subject, you realize how imperfect my soul is how far I am from the connection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how I am such a munafiq, seriously. I should say this, and we don't like that. So let's go back to just being the robots. The certainty that comes with that, right? Yeah. I, think was, I think it
0: was Ibn al-Qayyim who said that if he... Knew that even just one of his actions so. was accepted yeah. by Allah, that would be enough, mm. because he he understood that point, mm. that you know ultimately you're just you're a broken individual, right, and battling with yourself to to deliver truth, you know, deliver mm. your truth, deliver truthful life, and it's a difficult thing to do, but it's actually a lot easier to say, well, I did raise my trousers above my ankles yeah. and I I did dress like you know up.
1: A, I raised my trousers above my
0: ankles, but I still was proud. So you say that, <laughs> thats the classic, isn't it? Because you know
1: that was the reason why you weren't supposed to do it. and it's okay. just—I
0: just, mean, look, we've not, I, I, we... I
1: bow my head in prayer, but I'm still, I am still—I have no humility. Okay, so you're right. This is empty religiosity, yeah? and it's—it's prevalent. It's everywhere, and uh, look, I, I don't. And, want and, to go... I said we don't want to talk about. Literally, look. Imran, it breaks your back, as I said And you know the point, Ibn Qayyum, he's known as the Doctor of the Heart Ibn Rajib as well, he explains these matters extensively And you know what, you're right, I say it I wish I had a day where I had better, more hasanat than sayyat More goodness than badness maybe, a day even Mm. And you know what, you're right, maybe my whole life One action might save me, that's it That's all I can say
0: so how, how to shift this? I mean, we're talking about yeah. this within the context of two people um, getting married, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, clearly people go through different journeys, you know, even if they are on the same page, but how can, a, how can a couple cultivate this? Okay,
1: you tell me, how did you cultivate it? And, you know, what consideration did you give to not just... I'm divorced. No, 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 Imran, no, 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 no. what was it? Just, oh, look, again, we give consideration to religion. Yes. Okay. I'm making a difference between a religion... And I'm talking about Iman and Taqwa, which is a high level... Okay, can I... Ta- okay,
0: let, let me tell you a okay, couple, couple of couple of stories from from yes. my life, which you've probably heard yeah, of, okay. or maybe you've forgotten. All right. So it's really interesting you talk about the fact that when you go down that particular path, that kind of austere, sur- surface-level religiosity, right? And there's basically two kinds of, two kinds of people. There's one who can... They can carry that on ad infinitum, yeah? They can just carry on right and it doesn't it doesn't dawn on them that they're actually missing out on actually what the core of what this is the, the the message and then there's basically people like myself who find this fracture like thinking no i want more than this they should be delivering more than this in my life so when i got married um you know i was 24 she was 20 and ultimately she was under my wing you know as you know you know yeah. she a new muslim of about yeah. six months and I so I actually knew that we needed to do this. My problem was I had absolutely no idea how to do it. So I was just I was really clumsy with it, right? Uh I think one day we sat down and I opened a book which was about it was called Usul al-Quran. You know you know just and it was just rules, right? And it was about uh, the different um, uh, ways of reading yes. the Quran uh, what do you call them the Hafs? the qiraat The qiraat yeah Hafs is one and this is what this is what i'm trying i'm i'm basically talking about stuff which is again rules and regulations mm. with my new wife because i think that's what's going to draw us closer to allah and no doubt that that information is important right yeah. but it's not the kind of thing that two people need to sit down and develop a love of Allah because i knew again from that whole kind of austere salafi kind of mindset i knew that the earlier stages of the prophethood uh, peace be upon him was to uh, soften the hearts mm. right to understand Allah i knew this but my problem was i had no idea how to do it so you know the thing you remember the stuff we used to get told which was well you must learn Allah's names okay right so 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 let let's let's learn Allah's names. Okay, so, you know, Al-Wahid. Okay, we've got that one down. Okay. Right. What's the next one? Uh, Hamid. Yeah. Hakim. Halim. Right. Okay. We've we've memorized all of those. Not feeling much closer. Mm, yeah. And so, that was the problem. You know, we were people who were aware we needed to do this, but we just didn't know how to do it.
1: Because you know that our tradition then. Was a tradition which never spoke to us okay when you mention the term that allah ta'ala for example is Rahim. okay that he is forgiving and merciful together okay now think deeply about yourself and your life and your sin and what you've done and the mistakes that you made in your life and that how why you made these and the fact that your creator has wiped this away and what it really means is, its it, the question is what does it really mean to you? What is is it deep inner significance for you? What is it removed from your life? What is it added to and so it wasn't that you're right. It was just a ghafoor rahim. Yeah, and it wasn't the deeper contemplation reflection and Significance of that in your life to an extent that isn't encouraged. You know why because we don't want you to go off the rails and you know, it starts to become too much of a free thinker. Well, that's that is the
0: point, isn't it? That is the point. If you if you if you start to become a critical thinker, yeah, that is when a lot of these movements run into problems, yeah, right? And it actually works against, ironically, a lot of them work against what is what is intended. I mean, for example, oh, go, uh, for example, you... let me give you another, it's just come to mind now, yes. So, I started noticing things which were not compatible with what I was being taught, right? So... I would be told that you know Allah is merciful, but then the group of people I was with were not merciful people. Yeah. Just just things like that, That's right. right? Um, they're very dismissive of people, not just of people who weren't of their faith. They were dismissive of other Muslims who were closely aligned with what they thought, but they just thought they were significantly Look, just, different. Just
1: on this point, Imran, you know, uh, I often remember hearing the hadith of the man who killed one hundred. Yeah. Okay, and this was seen as such a compassionate hadith uh, but it was interestingly how it spun because to me this is hadith about one man who was striving as much as possible to eradicate evil in their life and therefore looked for ways to do it but still did terrible things but then eventually went on a journey and said look you know I need to distance myself from evil and go to the land of goodness and he dies along the way and as we know the hadith is that he's then taken up his soul is taken as a believer because he's one hand span closer to the land of goodness away from the land of. A, but it's how you take the hadith people just took it the need for hijrah you have to remove <laughs> yourself from one space a bad space to a good space not about the inner dimension of a human being struggling yeah. deeply struggling a woman who was a prostitute who gives a drink of water to a dog and the deep significance of what's actually going on with the internal battle of a human being. And just to kind of sum it up with the people who have this robotic approach to religion, who want to make you conform to their requirement of what religion is. Do you know what? No two human beings can even have the same experience of a sajda. Are you policing people, sajda? Mm. You're saying, oh, sajda must be this length long and you must say this. And even if you do that, when they're in the sajda, how their heart is battling in that, that, that place mm. okay, is going to be completely unique to that individual. Mm. So in many ways, it's nihilistic. It totally is anti-spiritual. I mean, this is an interesting thing. A lot of people who come out of what I call certain Islamic movements and certain magic jama's, they said, the reason we came out of these jama's and these movements is because we found that they were spiritually empty and bereft. And that they were not bringing us closer to Allah, they were bringing us closer to a group, a methodology An identity An identity, you're right, all of that Uh, You know, we're just a club, a clique, a gang, a group An identity was defined by the fact that we are juxtaposed to others And it was nothing about Allah, okay And that me getting closer and closer to Allah that I feel so, like I said, uh, in love of Allah, in hope of his mercy but fearing his his displeasure,
0: you know, I, I came to the conclusion that it's one of, one of Satan's greatest tricks, to convince people, who believe, they are religious, to use faith, in order to undermine other people, and to believe that's a rewardable action, when in actual fact it's 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 playing into his hands. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not doing what this faith is asking you to do. We I mean we can come across here as you know, two guys who've come from a particular background, you know, and now we've kind of we've liberalized a bit and we've got a bit older. But is on the other side, on the other end of the scale, just to kind of give it a bit of balance, right? We have this kind of idea. we We live in we live in this uh, society where spirituality, humanism, mm-hmm. right, is now kind of an acceptable form of 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 worship, if you like, right? Yeah. Um, and within within Muslims. You have what I would, I mean, I, I, I try, I'm trying not to use the word Sufi here, right? But you've basically got this um, kind of spiritual isolationism, right? It's kind of like the opposite extreme, whereby it's all about their connection with Allah. And it, it's almost to the point where it becomes a, a very isolating fact for them there's no kind of benefit
1: to no, 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 it, their family or absolutely. to society and, and, and that's why both of them are wrong and you know we're not on a liberalizing journey we're on a journey of balance coming to the wasitiya, the middle path yeah so I, I i once spoke about this this debate between a a jihadi and a sufi yeah and this is a debate where the person who's is saying one is totally external yeah he says, we have to deal with everything in society. We have to change the whole world and everything else. One's external, and the other one is totally internal. No, I've got to change myself first. We just have to retreat. We have to be insular. I just have to focus on my inner spirituality. Both are partly right and partly wrong. Both mm. of them are, you know, mm. neither of them is complete. The middle path is what? That I can only do good to the external world if I have only conquered my own soul. Mm. How can I conquer the world? Conquered if I, it uh, enough. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You know, and so therefore, you're right, it comes back to the balanced way is albir to Allah causes albir to the creation. You know, goodness to Allah leads to goodness in the creation. And so, you know, when I was younger, I used to laugh at that hadith. Na'udhu We used to mock it, this idea of jihad bin nafs. Yeah, the jihad of the soul. Okay, mm. because if people think that, no, we're involved in the jihad of, of speaking truth, the jihad of action, you know? People think this is the, the noble jihad because they apparently see themselves struggling and And, and of course, it has its nobility and, and goodness when it is upon the correct methodology. And, and you know, uh, but as you become older, you realize, subhanAllah, you're right. The greatest battle that I had my whole life was against my own ego, mm. my own self importance. And anyone who doesn't know that, they have not really understood the basics of why the Prophet came, which was to make a perfect, so that we are able to perfect ourselves, to purify ourselves, to have that true heart devoted to Allah. Because that's the ultimate idea of what Islam is. Submission of my soul, willingly, to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala. submission. You can't be a person who has submission if you are, your ego is overcoming you and you are worshipping your own self. And you have, uh, you know, so ultimately the whole battle in my whole life, okay, is about subduing my ego and my own self-importance and my own self-serving self, which is, again, look at how Allah Ta'ala, He describes the nafs. Nafs mutmainna, the soul totally at peace with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. There's no cognitive uh, dissonance. There's no incongruence. There's no difference between external and internal. Nafs amara Bisu, the soul which calls you calls you towards evil, which is basically our worst self, Mm. which we don't want to hide away and we are totally in denial of. And then we got nafsillawama, which is basically the self-reproaching soul, the soul which is, you could say in many ways, is the mediator between the two It's you know, and how lawama is structured allows us either towards mutma'inna or amara bisu this is the whole thing, and that's the battle of the ego in the nafsil lawama, that's the battle of your whole life I think Rumi says it. When I was young, I wanted to change the world, and when I get old, I just want to change myself. Mm. You know, and I think it really sums up the journey. It's the journey. It's not about putting labels of Salafi or Sufi, or people who are worldly versus inward and spiritual. No, it's the journey of coming towards a balance, and it's the same in marriages. Interestingly, I've seen all the various scenarios and permutations where people start off in a particular way, and then they actually have a spiritual crisis. In their marriage because they realize that one is more external and perfunctory and the other one is much more inward and spiritual and wants a deeper connection with allah and they find that they can't come to an accommodation where both of them work together in this which creates friction in the marriage which should be the you know it's so antithetical because surely the, the deen should bring us closer to allah rather than become a source of discord mm. and, and conflict and there's also kind of gender dynamics as well because men want to enforce their views on religion on, on females is okay. that how
0: you found
1: in Why Well, generally that readings. seems to be it because men seem to be the what they think that because of this verse in the Qur'an, mm. that the man has a qawwam, a leadership over the woman. Mm. Allah Ta'ala says he's given this qawwam. But how is the qawwam to be administered? Again, the way of the Prophet wasallam. He exemplifies this through mercy and through justice, through being an educator, through being, being a teacher. Not consultation. Being, yeah. Consultation, cooperation, compassion all of these things not through being a dictator or a tyrant or having an authoritarian role we've spoken about him previously the difference between being authoritarian and authoritative Mm. authoritative is that people submit to your authority because they see wonderful qualities in you authoritarian is that you know I know people will not accept me unless I am dictate enforce force and you know uh you know use use force to really you know establish my position of authority rather than it being something where there's a consensus on that so we see this this battling out of people uh in in relationships you know where like i said there is the spiritual crisis that takes place sometimes it's not so much of a spiritual crisis as something which is a as someone who's on the religion and off the religion, obviously, if you have one partner who's practicing mm. and they're going through, obviously, the, they're, they're they're doing the you know the five act, you know the acts of worship and everything else, yeah, and another person who's completely opposed to that, yeah, then you don't create a, in your home an Islamic environment, which is going to be peaceful. Remember, from you know Allah Ta'ala says that the whole purpose of marriage, azwaj, to establish saqeena and peace in your home. You can have peace in your home if you've got one person who, who is uh, you know, in opposing religion or against the religion and another person who wants to pray and wants to fast and wants to do everything else in the home. That's quite common actually. Yeah, it is. It's a common. Uh, and in some cases it can work as, uh, uh, as both people will just give each other space. In another case, In most cases it doesn't work because one person is undermining the other you know, and then it could be that the man or the female who is not practicing then wants to create a less practicing home. That's going to create problems. Well, see, it's just on this, um, you know, I I
0: think about, when I think about my children, for example, and I think about their journey, right. And it has to be their journey. Right. And I have to guide them as much as I can. Right. Um, I'm minded not to step onto the whole kind of uh, becoming a dictator dictating what they should do right um i think i you know i've put in as much as i can and now they're reaching the kind of late teens they're going to make their own decisions and and ultimately it's it's a i think i i remind i i remind myself of Nuh alayhi salam right who lived for 950 years and after 950 years only had a handful of people Mm. who came with him and they weren't his family Right, they yep. weren't his family, always his kids.
1: Right, his son and his wife. Yeah, exactly.
0: and yeah. and ultimately, uh, uh, the con- again, conclusion I came to is this: two people who are quite different in that regard, if there is that mutual respect, right, and if they can see that you know at some point there is the potential without coercion that they come come onto something similar, that's cool. I think the problem arises when you have a joint project, basically a child. Okay. Right? And yeah. you have like the tussle over the child. One wants them to, you know, go to madrasa, you know, every evening. The other one's like, that's really backwards. Okay. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's that problem um, that we face. So I want to know what does, how does good spirituality manifest in an individual and in a couple? Mm-hmm. How does it manifest? What does it look like? Because I know I get emails. I get emails from alhamdulillah, from all over the world now, from people, young people who are considering marriage, right? Yeah. and they always ask questions like these, like, OK, what do I need to look for? What does it look like? What does a spiritual man look like? What does a spiritual woman look like? Absolutely. I mean, a- a- how do they do this?
1: Absolutely. OK, look, look, one of the challenges, obviously, we've repeatedly spoke about in the Muslim space is that you never really get to understand or know who you are married to until you actually start living with them.
0: That's a bit of a bummer though. Yeah,
1: so that, that that creates a kind of dynamic in it in itself. So, therefore, before that, how do we ascertain this? Yeah. And you're right, we can we can observe them, we can ask third party references and all that stuff we've spoken about as well in the past. But ultimately, what are you looking for in an individual? This these are key things that you are looking for to indi- indicate a high level of spiritual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, which is more than just superficial going through manifestations of faith a soft heart an individual who you can see genuine concern genuine compassion for humanity and you see that not in a demonstrative way that you know look at me i'm doing this or doing that you can see this is a person you see the, you really see the softness of their heart the concern they have for other human beings and the, and, and the the selflessness that they show to them. So this, I think this is, I start off with the most important, which is compassion, Rahma, which is a quality that the Prophet saw. I'm going.
0: Sorry to break your flow. Yeah. Um, that was your first point. That was really interesting. You mentioned, you said compassion to humanity. Yes. You didn't say compassion to Muslims. Uh-huh. And that's a real distinction, isn't it? Because, again, you see a lot of compassion but towards a particular group of people that you self-identify with. Now, that so, may be, you know, for example, there was a recent uh, earthquake in Kashmir. Yes. You know, naturally, people from the region are going to empathize with that more. But I always find it interesting when there's compassion, there's a real distinction between Muslims and non-Muslims when it comes to things like justice and compassion. Okay. When you use the word humanity.
1: No, it is because, look, we start off, Bani Adam, which created the children of Adam to be treated with dignity, every single one of them. That's it. Your rights of your neighbours, rights of any human being. Are you saying that the Prophet ﷺ, if he saw someone suffering in the street or someone in any hardship and difficulty, he would just walk by? Of course not. So really, this is, I don't even know how this is in up for this debate, that we've made this distinction between Muslim and non-Muslim. You know, who are mustadifeen, who are weak, who are in need, who are deserving of support and help and compassion. And actually, you know what? Even in the Quran, I could go on that length. Allah says, Allah says that the good deed and the evil deed are not the same. Repel evil with that which is better and your enemy becomes your friend. Now, even here, it's clear that the recipient is that anyone who you know, you do not reciprocate evil with evil. You know, so...
0: Anyway, so that was your first point. So the first is is compassion. Compassion
1: is such an important thing. The next thing I'm looking at in an individual is their self-awareness. I call this furqan, their own discernment about the true state of their heart, because they are constantly making muhasibah, self-accountability. And that they are, so therefore, as a result of that self-awareness, you have a discernment and you have a humility. Very important. And this is basically a case where the person will say, look, they, they accept their faults. They hold their hands up when they make mistakes. They are, they are very, very uh, open and transparent in talking about deficiency. This isn't a deal breaker. It shows a person who is, is, like I said, self-aware and wanting to change and wanting to grow and wanting to improve and wanting to develop. So I think that's the next one about self-accountability, having a sense of uh, uh, you know, uh, self-awareness and furqan discernment so that they say, look, you know, I want to change. These are the ways that I want to change. Links to humility, of course, you know, a person who is humble. No, there is an absence of kibr and pride. Remember, the kibr is what destroyed, it's the first sin that destroyed Iblis. Mm. Uh, and so we don't have that here. We have, if anything, you know, a, a sense that uh, an individual who uh, is open to correction, open to recognition of their mistakes, uh, takes advice from others as well. And it's a true humility not a humility which afterwards is 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 uh, is, is, is accompanied with a disdain or, or or a kind of hatred next again this is so important non-materialistic individuals individuals who have values who don't aren't concerned about things which are valuable but are concerned about having values <laughs> okay yeah. so again the prophet he said abandon the world and the people will love you and when you see and when you abandon what people love the people will love you It's beautiful because what it says is that when you see this person, you see true selflessness and the person who hasn't got an agenda and a person who can't be bought off and a person who ultimately is connected to Allah and realizes that the world and what is in the world is just, you know, a means to to come closer to Allah, not a means in itself. So the non-materialistic things are very important here. You know, when you increasingly get involved with individuals who define their success by material objects, this is extremely problematic, and not by the quality of, of their hearts. And, you know, another quality, like I say, I would say is this, yeah, that you, you can see in them that there is that softness, that you can see that, you know, immediately that this is, uh, that you know that they are elevated by the acts of worship. You can see it. You can see in, the, in their in behavior. This is more than just going through the motions. You know, so you know it, it's difficult. You know, even one of the great imams of the past was asked if anyone up, ever comes up to you and asks you, "Are you religious?" Hmm. Okay, uh, or are you a muttaqi salihin? To answer the question, "Yes, I am." Anti- it's completely ag- that antithetical. That tells you everything. It tells you everything about you know, him. Yeah. So, it, 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 so this is it's the... It's like key. saying I am humble. Yeah, yeah. I'm really humble. I'm really, you know, I'm really religious. So even when people ask me, are you a religious person? I said, I'll leave Allah to decide what I am. I said, you know, I... I, I That's I, kind of I, a bit of faux, hum- f- faux humble though, no, was there. No, 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 <laughs> no. I'm not going to attribute religion. You know, I'm not going to say, yeah, I am. I said, yes, look, I follow, I try to follow my religion. And ultimately, how I do it, you know, Allah knows best, yeah? Okay? Because I'm not going to say I'm... I'm not going to attribute impiety either Because that's not right either It's just, you know But can you see this It's an interesting yeah. kind of question yeah. In itself How do you judge this? And all I can say is that You know I think when you're in a company of people Who have that deeper Genuine Real Spiritual connection With Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, You see that This is people who you are Allah joins your heart with them and This comes now Defies a lot of what we're talking about Which is that Ultimately You know We can talk about compatibility And testing And all kinds of things Yeah But ultimately, you know, Allah joins hearts. And, you know, the spiritual being is the person who says, I leave all my affairs to Rabbil Alameen. Okay, Allah Ta'ala is my Mawla and Nasir, and I am happy to give my affairs to him. I'll do the best that I can. Ultimately, Allah is the one who establishes acceptance in people's hearts for me. That in itself is a true spiritual connection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, rather than materialistic connection. Materialistic individuals who will say, "No, look at this. I have this. I have this. I have this. I have this. Can you see that? Hmm. This is the difference between the materialistic and the metaphysical." and the real world and the spiritual world. This is the difference between mind, body and soul in congruence with one another and an individuals incongruent as, a, as, a, as an individual. And he says, so oh, I've got all of these things, but then you look at their daily conduct with people and how they conduct themselves with people, and you'd find that the people who they conduct themselves are not enriched by them, are not uplifted by them, do not grow as a result of them, you know? So therefore he said, well, what is, what is the point of all, all of this, you know? And uh, it's like the man who comes into the mosque and he wants to get into the front row and he rushes past everyone and brushes past everyone. and you know, But he got, he got into the front row.
0: It's like the people who go for the black stone at, at the Haram. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now they have to put a policeman yeah. on the black stone to beat people away. And I've, I've, I've been, alhamdulillah, I've been many times I, yeah. and I've never actually attempted to go there because I know... I'm just going to injure other people and
1: you know this is I'm saying every human being is unique and may Allah still reward those individuals who touch Absolutely. the stone. I mean stone yeah? I mean. uh, but when I pass the black stone for me when I pass it and I put my hand and we say Allahu Akbar you know for me it's I, I, you know I, it takes me to a different place I imagine Ibrahim and my building the Kaaba and I imagine what, what's going on and as I go around I'm thinking myself deeply Yeah, that you know Everything revolves around Wahid Al-Qahar, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Everything, you know, is revolving around this. Nothing matters, okay, apart from me leaving this world with my act, you know, in a, in a way which pleases my Creator. I'm going to be buried in, this, in these two pieces of cloth. So, you know, there's, a, there's another person who will go through a different experience. Not just about going through the, the physical acts, but the deeper reflection upon what the, those acts mean to them in their life and the people who mean are, are important in their life
0: what happens so at the other end of the scale you've got people who've been together a long time Mm -hmm. and um they have you know functioning marriages in your experience if there's a lack of spirituality basically a, a focus on the connection of allah what happens to those people what happens to those relationships? What are the problems look, that if, they if face? If they have a
1: long-standing marriage, obviously it works. So let's not just completely throw out the baby with the bathwater we'll here. It works. And look, if at least one partner has not inhibited the other partner's spiritual journey.
0: It's, that's it, the it, minimum, isn't it? Yeah,
1: there? yeah, yeah. You're right, it becomes problematic when one person is actually inhibiting the journey and disrupting the journey and actually misdirecting the journey. So that, that's problematic, it. yeah, mm-hmm. because that, that inevitably will create the conflict and, and will will, will term, you know, result in the kind of a, an end of that marriage. And certainly if it doesn't end in this world, it will end in, in the next world because this is not a partner you should be with in the next world. Yeah? Is it a critical ingredient to a successful marriage? I think it is. I think it is. I think we have to recognise, you know, whenever we talk about Muslim marriage, we're talking about mind, body and soul. We're talking about all three of these important elements of our being being perfected through marriage yeah, we it can to. focus on mind and body yeah we've been doing a lot of mind and body <laughs> education lately. and uh, good uh, looks yeah and and we have not been doing enough insult now even look and i know this is going to be a future podcast for us you know even look you know what the the, the act when the prophet said that when the husband and wife enjoy each other's intimacy having sexual intercourse with one another this is an act of worship that brings them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's done in the halal way not in the haram way we'll talk more about this in the future but what's important is that I, you know i always say that when two people are connected mind body and soul and when they engage in intimacy and they do the the, the dua as well you know we've already I, been over the dua don't know, do the impression of the dua please. no 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 <laughs> do you know what it is is amazing they're uplifted spiritually they're uplifted spiritually so, so the act itself is a spiritual act which brings them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it aligns everything else, is alignment. Everything else is going bad here. You see, what we've been talking about is stuff like this when there is a kind of uh, misalignment and disjunction, incongruence between or the mind, body, and soul. Yeah, So, everyone wants to think they can have good intimacy when there is conflict and tension and grievance. And rights have been abused between the couple. Hmm. We want them to have good intimacy when they are fighting over religion, and that they don't have spiritual connection. How can you have good intimacy? No, you know, we 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 want to have good intimacy when that one person has indebted the other person through maxing out credit cards, and you want the and you want spiritual connection, and you want intimacy connection. Come on, hmm. you know, this is these are the the, the problems. Uh, that we have in in, in in all relationships, actually. But, you know, in the Muslim space, even more so, because I think today's podcast is all about taking it back to what the what is the objective. This is an act of worship done to perfect half of your faith, to enable you then to have the means to fulfill the other half of your faith. So that the peace that you have in this world is the peace that you have in paradise. And the partner you have in this world is your partner in, in paradise. And that you are helping each other actively in everything in your life to get there you want to get there you want to, you're helping each other to get there that's the whole objective of what this is what this is all about uh, and and unfortunately you know i think sometimes with so many nikahs that i do you know uh, it seems that's the only islamic bit we done the nikah and then also it seems that like all these amazingly important spiritual principles and guidance principles that we have in islam just go straight out the window when it comes to actual married life and living everyday married life you know, and lo- what, I'm, what we're talking about is this, you know, like I said, we've got these two extremes. You've got couples who are totally non practicing on one hand, no interest in Islam. Obviously, that's one extreme. And then the other extreme, you know, these couples who are going through this robotic perfunctory role, rules and regulations, kind of like a strict adherence to, to faith, yeah. But it's devoid of inner spirituality. It's getting to that middle ground, the, the balanced middle way, which is, you know, of deep faith and connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is enabled through the institution of marriage
0: oh wow that was a really really good episode to record but also to listen to because I have listened to it a couple of times and in- Each time I've listened to it, I've picked up something new. Amazing. Um, I hope you felt the same, but uh, I won't really know unless you get in touch. And I always encourage you to get in touch. I do get emails amazingly from around the world. And it's really encouraging. It's really encouraging to hear the feedback, the good and the bad, by the way. I'm not looking for anybody to to just, you know, kind of uh, pat me on the back. You know, I want to hear how I can improve this. I can guess, but I'd rather know. And you are the guys who can tell me that. So if there's a subject that I've approached and you disagree with the way I've approached it, or you think there's something that needs to be covered and I haven't done yet, tell me. Get in touch at divorcedmuslimdad at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M. Don't be shy. Please do come forward. Get in touch. It's always anonymous. And I always, always get back to you. Now, moving forwards, I've decided to record an episode which uh, at first I thought perhaps not, but in the spirit of being open and transparent about some of my experiences, I've decided to bite the bullet and record an episode about online dating. Yep, that's right. My experience, my personal experience of using online dating services over the last nine years. I'm not exactly sure how i'm going to cover this but one thing's for sure it's going to be absolutely open and i'm going to leave nothing off the table so definitely tune in for that and i'll see you next time assalamu alaykum